And today as we look in Mark chapter 5, we're going to see three people that their lives were radically changed through Jesus Christ and their encounter with him. But I'd like to say something before we get into that. As a church, you are at a pivotal time in the life of this church because you are looking for the man that God has for you. And I encourage you to pray and to seek and to um, look at yourself as well and allow Jesus Christ to radically change you, but also bring the man that can lead this church and lead you to new heights and new directions and new visions that God has in store for you so that you can reach this community, you can grow as Christians, and you can be more cross-like, and you can touch this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about, and that's why we're here. Why do you think God placed you here? So that you can touch this community, so that you can reach lost people all around you. And so, this is a time where you as a church needs to really spend some time with God and allow God to radically work within your life and in your family and in your church to be ready for what God wants to do here and allow him to do that. That's what these three people did. They allowed God to come in and they accepted what God was doing in their life. Notice with me. And Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Notice what he says. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and seeing him fell at his feet and employed him earnestly saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hand on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him, a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up to the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For some, for she thought, if, just, if I just touch his garment, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in, uh, in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? And his disciple said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell before him and told him the whole truth. Notice that. What a great testimony that was. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. 
go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come to you, we are so thankful for your love and your grace and your mercy. Father, we are so thankful for Easter. We're thankful for Good Friday because, because of your love. You came and you died for us to pay the price for our sins, past, present, and future. But also, on Easter, God raised you from the dead to live forevermore as King of kings and Lord of lords and the Savior of the world for those that would believe and trust in you as their personal Savior. How awesome you are. How great you are. We don't deserve any of that. But you loved us when we were unlovable. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. God, we thank you and we praise you for who you are and what you do in our lives every day and even the situation still in our life. You're able to take care of if we trust in you as we see these people trusting in you as well. God, we give you the praise, honor, and glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we look at Mark chapter 5, we see that it is a, a chapter full of impossible cases. It's been called the Bible home of incurables. You see, there are three cases here in this chapter which are absolutely, humanly speaking, impossible for us to do anything about. But yet and still, it's not impossible for Jesus to do anything about. There's the demoniac man, there's the diseased woman, and then there's the dead girl. You see, in all three cases, we're considered impossible in the Lord's day. And they still are impossible with us today. But God can do all things. For instance, the demoniac would be assigned to a mental institution. The poor woman would be assigned to a terminal care unit. And the dead girl would be carried off to some cemetery to be buried. But as you move through the events in the fifth chapter of Mark, you discover that Jesus is more than adequate for anything. I don't care what situation you got. I don't care what kind of problem you got. I don't care what you're going through. Jesus is adequate. Jesus can take care of every situation we have if we trust in him and depend upon him. You see, today I want to consider the account of the healing of this diseased woman more than the other two. We'll touch the other two a little bit, but I want to, to really... Spend more time with this diseased woman because it tells the whole story here of what Jesus does and not only these two people's lives, but in anybody's life that will trust in him. You see, along the way to the cross, there were people that were hurting. There were people that were struggling. There were people that had all kinds of situations going on in their life. And, and they were trying to deal with that in any way that they possibly could. Like this woman who had done everything that she knew to do, spent everything she had, and still had not been helped at all. But on the way to Calvary, Jesus takes time to stop and deal with people's needs. Because he cares about us. He loves us. He wants to minister to us. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to 
be more Christ-like and to do the work that he has called us and created us to do, we see that in the book of Ephesians. We are created. God created work for us, preordained work for us to do so that we can bring glory to him and we can accomplish his perfect will. Now, let's take for just a second and look at this demoniac man. Here we see this man who lived in a graveyard. They chained him, but they couldn't keep him chained because he kept breaking the chains, and he would scratch his, his, his sores and scream and holler and, and all kinds of things, and nobody could do anything with him. And all of a sudden, he sees Jesus. And the Bible says that they, talking about the demons, but also he, came running to Jesus. Now, everybody knew this man, and everybody had encountered this man, or at least heard about this man. And they knew that for years and years, nothing had helped him whatsoever. And so here's Jesus coming to this man. This man was not only demon-possessed, but he had so many demons, they called themselves legion. And so here he has this encounter with Jesus. And all of a sudden, his life is totally changed. Here we see that the demons ask Jesus, don't send me out of the country, but send me into the swine. Now, there were hundreds of swine there. And so Jesus did what the demons wanted. He cast them into the swine. And what did the swine do? The swine ran down the hill, ran into the sea, and was all drowned. Now keep that in mind because that's going to be a big part of this in just a second. And so the people that were the herdsmen saw what had happened. And they saw that this man all of a sudden was changed and he was not the same man that he had always been or had been for years and years and years. And so they ran back to the city to tell the people and the people come to see this. Now notice with me starting in verse 15. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down clothed and in his right mind the very man who had the legion and they became frightened. They weren't celebrating. They weren't amazed. They were what? Frightened. What in the world happened? Who did this? Look at verse 16. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to implore him to do what? To leave the region, to depart, to get out of their area. Now, does that make sense to you? Here's a man that changed this man's situation that he's been in forever. And instead of celebrating with him, they wanted him to get out of their region. They saw this man. They saw that he was now whole and that he was praising God, and he was wanting to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go and share what, is, what I have done for you to others. 
But here's these people, and this is Bobby Jones theology. May not be right, may be right, but I think it is. <laughs> but this is what I see as I study these verses. These people were more concerned about their swine that they lost than they were what Jesus did for this man. They were upset that they lost all their swine, all their bacon and all their pork chops and all their other stuff. You know, they were, they were upset about that. Now, I want you to understand something, please. I think so many churches are just like that today. As long as we can come and sit in our pews and be comfortable and just go through the motions, we're okay. But God, don't get into our business. Don't start with our materialism. Don't start with changing our lives. Don't start with us having to do something. Because if that happens, then we just don't want you here. How many churches are like that? God, we, don't, we, we just want to be the, the way we are. We don't want you to do something radical in our lives. And I think that we need to be careful that we don't get that way because it's easy to get that way. It really is. As we look at this, we see that this woman that has the issue of blood, this man whose daughter is on death's bed and they find out has died and this demoniac man their only hope was Jesus Christ now as we look we see that the uh, Jairus's daughter had died and so his only hope and he knew that was Jesus the woman with the issue of blood had done everything and nothing had changed. And so she got to the point that she had heard so much about Jesus and what he has done that she knew that was my only hope. And I'm going to get to him any way I possibly can. If I can just touch the, the hem of his garment, then I can be radically changed and healed. Their life was in the hope of of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question here. Is your life based in the hope of Jesus Christ? Is your life based in other things and material things and in yourself and in your abilities and whatever it may be? Instead of staying focused on Christ and allowing Christ to be real and genuine in your life, being able to do whatever he needs to do to change your situation you see on this day Jesus was crowded in there was crowds of people everywhere and the people were pressing in around him but the crowd put, had one lady in it that was different she was desperate the crowd was wanting him to feed them or to do something for them or maybe some of them wanted to hear some truth. But this one lady was desperate and she wanted to get to him because she knew that he was her only hope and she was going to get to him any way she possibly could because he could transform her life. He could change her situation. You see, there was those 
there that just wanted what he could give them. Not salvation, not anything else, but just food or materialism or just, you know, anything that can change their life, but not spiritually speaking. But here's a lady who's desperate, and she wants to touch Jesus. When's the last time you've been that desperate that you will do whatever it takes to be in the presence of God? When, when was the last time you've been that desperate? You see, there are those in the church today who need to reach out and touch the hem of his garment, but they don't do that. You know, they just come and they go through the motions and they go home and they have not been radically changed. They have not been, been touched by, 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 at all by Jesus. And they go through the motions and they go home. They go through the motions and they go home. Folks, it's time that we allow Jesus to touch our lives and to radically change our lives the way he did this woman. Look at the horror she endured. In verses 24 through 26, notice what it, it talks about here. In verse 25, notice what it says here. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. For 12 years, she had been going around trying to seek something that could deal with the problem she had. We are told that she suffered from an issue of blood. That literally means that she was hemorrhaging or bleeding from some part of her body. The word hemorrhage means a flow of blood, a flow or issue of blood. Whatever may have caused that internal hemorrhage, this woman was very, very sick. You see, a constant flow of blood such as this would cause this woman to have untold suffering, weak and anemic, and, and, and she was suffering in many ways, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and a lot of ways this woman was suffering. Let's look at some of those ways. Well, number one, she suffered physically from the constant flow of blood loss. This poor woman would have been very weak, very anemic, just not able to hardly do anything. So let's take a moment and, and look at all that she went through as she was suffering physically. You see, we are told also that she had tried all the remedies and all the doctors and all the things and nothing had helped. Now, if you look at that word here, affliction, it is the same word that is translated whilp in other places in the word of God. And so what that really means is she was being whipped, she was being beaten down day in, day, day in, day out by this disease. She was beaten down. She couldn't hardly make it because of this issue that nobody could deal with. But also she had suffered socially as well. She could not be married because through physical contact she would defile her husband. And if she was married, then he would have to divorce her because she would cause him to be defiled. She could not work around others because the danger of her defiling them. They didn't have Medicare. They didn't have food stamps. They didn't have all of that kind of stuff during this period of time. So this reduced her to a life of standing side of the road, begging for scraps or a little bit of money to make it through that day. And then the next day she would go and do the same thing. 
Can you imagine what that must have been like standing out there, everybody knowing who you are, knowing your defile, knowing your life, and, and you're standing there begging for something, and they're pointing their fingers at you, talking about you, making fun of you. And some people may throw her something. But can you imagine what that life was like? This reduced her to a life of humiliation and rejection. But still, she suffered emotionally as well. Since the Bible says that she had been that way for 12 years, and considering the average age span of people during that period of time, we are sure that all of this started during the age of puberty. She had lived her life moving from one rejection to another rejection. She's lonely, she's isolated, she's desperate. Can you imagine what that must be like? Thank you. Can you imagine what that must be like? You see, she had suffered religiously as well. Up under the law, we see in the book of Leviticus in chapter 15 that the woman could not even go to the temple because she was considered unclean. So she couldn't go to worship. She couldn't go and hear the word of God being read or expounded upon. And as a result, she could not mingle with people in public, lest they cause, she causes them to be defiled. And so she is isolated from everybody. Anything or anyone that she touched was considered unclean. But also she had suffered financially. The Bible says that she had spent everything she had. She had used up everything that she had in order to find healing for her body and she couldn't find anybody that could do anything to help her in fact she kept getting worse and worse you see after all the years all the doctors all the times that she had hoped this remedy would be the one that would heal her she would come to the place where she knew that it was another disappointment have you ever lived in a situation or time in your life where it's like one disappointment after another disappointment after another disappointment. And only Jesus can get you out of that. Only Jesus can take care of those situations. You see, she will not get better if she's come to the point of believing. And she's going to die with this disease. There's nobody that can help her. And if Jesus can't, then that's it. But she believes with all of her heart that Jesus can. I wonder how many people can identify with this poor woman that they have struggled and they had suffered and they have gone through difficult situations. But yet and still, it doesn't seem to get better. You know, me going overseas, and not e I don't have to go overseas to see that. You can see that here as well. But especially if you go overseas, you see people that struggle every day. In the Philippines, where we've got a church planted over there, I see mothers and women going down to the fields every, early in the morning, every day, and working in the hot sun, pulling grass out of those fields to make enough to buy a meal for their family that night. And we're not talking about a big spread here. We're talking about a little bit of rice and a plastic bag and a few little bitty fish. And that's, that's their meal for the night. 
And she worked all day in the hot sun doing that to only go back and do that again the next day so that she could buy enough for her family the next day. And we see that God is sufficient. And I've talked to those women, and I know that they are in a situation where they can't change their uh, lifestyle by themselves. But God can bring in people that can help them. God can do whatever he needs to do, but these people will not accept Christ or his help. And there are people even in our country that will not accept Christ or his help. And they keep living in difficult situations. But God can change your situation if you will allow him to do that. Now, I don't know what that change may be. And it may not be something that you are looking for. But it's what God knows is best and what God can use in your life. Now... As we look at these people, we see that they fall in line, especially this woman, fall in line with two categories of people in our church today. Number one, the woman paints a clear picture of people that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You know, they may be in church, they may have been baptized, they may have whatever, but they really never have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They went through all, the motion, all of the motions. You know, they did, they do good things, but they have never accepted Christ in their life. You see, the lost are also defiled by a blood issue as well. You see, we inherited that from who? From Adam. When Adam... Sinned. And who is Adam? He's the father of all the human race. And when he sinned, he passed that sinfulness and that sinful heart down to each and every one of us. We are born as sinners. And so here in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, it tells us that we inherited that from him and that we are all sinners. In Romans 3.10, it says, there is none righteous, no, not one. In Romans 3.23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so only Jesus can make a change in our life in that situation where we are lost. We can't do anything about that. Only Jesus can. You see, we so often spend our whole lives searching for something that makes sense. And we work real hard. I never will forget. I was in an airport one day, and we were, I was sitting next to this woman, and we started talking, and we were talking about my mission trip, and she was like, I'm going on a mission trip too, and we talked about that. But her whole point was that I've got to do enough works that when I get to heaven, I have enough works to get in. You want to tell me there's not people in our church that have that same mentality? There are. Instead of trusting Jesus, you're, you're trusting your works. You see, this poor woman was in the same shape. She had a blood issue. And there was nothing she could do about it. But Jesus was able to do something about it through his grace 
He was able to change her life. And he can do the same thing for us. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For all have sinned and <clears throat> all of, excuse me, the wages of sin is death and the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now notice what he says here. The wages, what is wages? If I go and I work all day and I get paid, that's my wage. So it's what I've earned. And so what I have earned in my life is death. But Jesus has a free gift for us. And that gift is eternal life. And it only comes through one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Accepting him in the death that he died for us. But also it's a picture of the believer that is laboring up under a heavy burden. They are in church and they're struggling and they've got burdens and they have not given, given them to the Lord yet. You see, many of God's children are discouraged and defeated and they're trying and they're struggling and they're doing all the things they can and they're listening to preachers and they're reading books and they're doing all kind of things. But yet and still, their life is just as messed up as it was at the beginning. See, as we look, we see that so often we do the same thing. As we look, instead of turning to Jesus initially, so often we try to work it out ourselves. And we try all these other things instead of depending on him and holding on to him and allowing him to do the work in our life that needs to be done. But second of all, let's look at the hope that she embraced in Jesus Christ. You see, as we look, somewhere from some source, this poor woman had heard about Jesus Christ. She had heard about the things he had done and that he had raised people from the dead and that he had uh, cast out demons and that he had healed people. She, maybe she had heard uh, about the... A uh, man that was healed, the leper, in Mark chapter 1. Or maybe she had heard about the demoniac man in Mark chapter 5. Maybe she had, and that was across the lake. So maybe she had heard from many sources about Jesus and what he had done and what he can do. But she heard enough to believe that he, if he can do it for others, he can do it for me. Now, regardless of where she heard it, she knew that she had to get to him, and she took off to go to find him and to work her way through that crowd. Now, look at the courage this woman had. She was trying to work her way through the crowd, pushing her way through the crowd. Now, what was she doing to all those people? She was defiling them, but she was pushing her way through the crowd, hoping nobody would notice her. And everybody that she touched would become defiled or unclean. And if that crowd of people had recognized who she was, it would have been horrible. I mean, they would have been extremely upset with her, probably to the point of her dragging her out and stoning her to death because she had defiled them. But for her, it was worth the risk. It was worth everything. In order to know Christ more, in order for her to have that experience with him. It, it was worth everything to her to have 
that experience where her life could be radically changed. Have you ever undertaken something that is really difficult, but you know that it's the thing you need to do to get to Christ and to serve him more and to accomplish his will? You see, that's exactly what this woman did. It didn't matter what nobody else thought. What mattered is that she got to Jesus and he touched her life. And look at the healing that she got because of that. You see, it it was powerful. When she was near enough to him, she reached out and she grabbed the hem of his garment, the bottom of his cloak, And the word touched means to cling to or to adhere to. In other words, she held on to that until she got what she came for. When's the last time that you got on your knees and you stayed there until you got what you came for? Or how many times are you like most people and even me a lot of times? You're drive-through praying. You're praying as you're driving, or you're praying as you're doing something else. So you're, you, you, it's, you're not just focused on him and staying there until he does what he needs to do in your life. You see, so often we get up before we even get what we came for. You see, this woman immediately knew that she had gotten something that no doctor or no remedy and all the money she spent had never done for her. One man, Jesus Christ, has changed her life. Instantly, she felt the change in her body and she knew that she was different. She knew she was healed. She knew she was changed. And as soon as the woman touches Jesus, Jesus knows what's happened. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you really believe when Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? Do you really believe that was a surprise to him? Do you not know that Jesus knew that she was going to be there, that she was going to come and do that? And he knew that before he ever created anything? He knew that. He knew who she was. He knew her need. He knows your need. And he's waiting for you to come and hold on to the hem of his garment. And stay there and depend upon him and allow him to change your life or to do whatever needs to be done in your situation. There was dozens of people there that was touching him that day. More than dozens probably. But that one lady touched him in a way that nobody else didn't. Everybody else left and their situations were the same. Hers was changed. Why? Because she touched him with faith, believing and trusting that he could make a difference in her life. How often do we pray with faith, believing and trusting that God is going to accomplish his will? He may not answer my prayer the way I want him to, but he will answer it in the way that needs to be answered to bring him glory and honor. You know, Paul prayed for the thorn in the flesh to be removed from him three different times. Did it get removed? No. Because I believe that he knew that Paul would have become more arrogant. And so he let Paul have that thorn in the flesh. 
We don't know exactly what that thorn in the flesh was. There are a lot of commentaries that say it was where he had the Damascus Road incident with Jesus that it left him with um, almost blindness. In some of his letters, he says, see how big of letters I'm writing? So I don't know that to be true, but Paul used that illness still to go and touch a world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and turn a world upside down. When Jesus spoke to the woman, you will notice that she fell before him and began to tell him. And notice what it says here. She told him what? The whole truth. She began at the beginning. And she, everybody was hearing this that was in the crowd. And he began at the, she began at the beginning. And she said, I have been having this issue for 12 years. And I have been to everybody. And I've done everything. And I've spent all my money. And nobody has helped me. But I touched the hem of his garment. And he changed my life. What a testimony. What kind of testimony do we have about what God or what we've allowed God to do in our lives? Jesus got the response that he was wanting and anticipated because the whole crowd heard of what he had done and who he is and how he can change their life as well. Jesus was on his way to heal the young daughter of a man named Jairus. The little girl is at the point of death, but yet and still he stopped to deal with this lady this woman with the issue of blood. Does that mean that he cared more about her than he did with Jairus' daughter? No. You know, the fact of the matter is, and it blows my mind when I think about this, but Jesus can work in your life and my life and, and, and be into people's lives all at the same time because he's that big. It was not that he didn't care. He had a different plan. He was going to do something different with Jairus' daughter. You see, to Jesus, she was, and her need was, of great importance. And for each and every one of us, our need and our situation is of importance to him. And he wants to work in our life. And he wants to deal with that. And he wants to radically mold us and shape us more into uh, being more Christ-like. But yet and still, we've got to allow him to do that and have the faith that he can do that. And as we look at Jairus' daughter, and we won't read all of those scriptures, but if we look at that, we see that they went, after this incident with the woman, we see that they went to Jairus' house. Well, first of all, one of his servants came and said, it's no need, she's dead. And Jesus said, come on. And he took three of the disciples and Jairus, and they went to his house. And people were there mourning, and, you know, they paid people to mourn during that period of time. So there was mourning going on and all this kind of stuff. And, I, and Jesus took Jairus and his disciples up. And he said, she's not dead, she's just asleep. And he told her to arise, and what happened? She arose. 
And now nobody can't believe it because they thought she was dead, but now she's alive and she's up walking. You see, Jesus can take care of any situation, no matter if you think it's an impossible situation. Jesus can do whatever he needs to do. This woman that had the issue of blood, look at her. For years, she tried everything and nothing worked. But she had faith and she was healed. Look at Jairus. Here he is, not a believer, but he comes to Jesus and he says, my daughter is ill and can you come to my house and can you heal her? He had enough faith in Jesus that Jesus brought her back to life. You see, it was profound that this man would even come to Jesus. But he did and Jesus worked in his life. It's a blessing to trust Jesus and allow him to do what he and only he can do and allow his will to be accomplished in your life. And I promise you, his will is always perfect. And his will is exactly what you need. And his will will satisfy you in your life. You see, his words confirm what the woman with the issue of blood already knew. Notice what he said in verse 34. In verse 34, he says, daughter, notice how he addressed her, daughter, for your faith has made you well, go in peace, be healed of your affliction. Can you imagine what that must have been like? You see, she got far more than she came for. She came for physical healing. What did she get? He called her daughter which means you're part of the family now, which means that not only did she get physical healing, but she got spiritual healing because of the faith that she had placed in Jesus. And so now, not only did she get physical healing, but she got spiritual healing as well. It means to be rescued from all harm and all danger, to keep safe and sound. That's what healed means. So, when he said, you are healed, it means that she was rescued from all harm, all danger, to be kept safe and sound. Isn't that what Jesus does when he saves us? He protects us. He keeps us. He watches over us. He tells her to go in peace. That you can have peace in the, in the midst of everything that's going on. You can have peace. Any other man in that crowd would have been mad at her, but Jesus loved her and gave her peace and salvation. She had already been healed, and she knew it. And she heard the final words of Jesus Christ. Your faith has healed you. It is your faith that's made the difference in your life. And in Ephesians 3.20, it says that, that God can do far more than we ask or think in Christ Jesus. And so when are we going to learn to trust God, to depend upon him, and allow him to take our situation and change it? To take our situation, whatever it may be, to take our situation and begin to work in it and allow his will to be accomplished in the midst of our lives and for us to just trust him and serve him and live for him. When are we going to learn that? I ask myself that same question all the time. When am I going to learn? After all that God has done for me, 
that he still can do more. And that he can take care of every situation. When am I going to learn that? I don't know. But I hope it's soon. And we all need to learn that. God loves us more than we can ever imagine. And God can take the situations in our life and change them. Mold us and shape us into what he wants us to be. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know him as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you think you do, but... You really don't, and you know that. Or maybe you're here, and you know you don't. You've never pretended to know him, but you just come to church. Or or maybe you're here, and you are a Christian, and you just need to rededicate your life and say, listen, you know what? God, I haven't been faithful. I haven't allowed you to take the situations of my life. I haven't given them to you and trusted them with you I've been like the woman and went everywhere else. If that's you, I'm here, AJ's here, your elders are here. Go to one of us and say, listen, I need to talk to you about this. I I need to know Jesus. I need to know that I do know him. I need to talk to you and we are glad to hang around and help you. So that you will know that you know that you know that you know him and that you trust him and that you have that relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you today, we're thankful for your love, your grace, and your mercy. That you are a God that can take our situations and change them forever. That you have made us children of God. And that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And the same power that he has, we have within us. Help us to utilize the spirit of God that works within us. To do and be all that you have called us to do and be. God will give you the praise and the honor and glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.